Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Either we are there or not, ITSP Magazine still gets the best stories. There are plenty of conferences and all sorts of events that spark our curiosity and allow us to start conversations with some of the world's brightest minds. In person or virtually, we sit down with them at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Together, we discover what the synergy of these three elements means for the future of humanity. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at crowdsec.net. EdgeScan offers continuous vulnerability intelligence as a service, accurately identifying vulnerabilities and exposures across the full stack. All threats are verified by cybersecurity experts, providing exploitable risk and remediation guidance, virtually false positive free. Learn more at edgescan.com. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at www.pentera.io. Marco. Sean. We're on the road. We are on the road. A virtual car. What car are you driving virtual today? Virtual car. That I'm driving the uh, the Maserati, and I'm, oh, nice. I'm burning. I'm burning out. <laughs> burning out fuel. I hope it's not. I'm it's not out, that tricky. Burning out the tires. Yeah, <laughs> the nice pe- the nice peel. I'm doing donuts in the Maserati. How's that? Wow. So I chose burning out specifically. Oh, no, I know. I, I got that. I got that. Um, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. And also, it's really hot. So I was going to go there. But you, it is you, warm got, as you well. got with the burnout of that. So we're all burning and we shouldn't. That's that's the bottom line. But we're human. So sometimes we, we get overwhelmed. We get stressed. And uh, some jobs more than, than others. And uh, this is not the first time we talk about specifically burnout in this in the cybersecurity industry. No, we've had we've had this conversation. Um, there's been a lot of certainly a lot of conversation beyond just us as well. Um, a lot of our good friends, even some of our hosts here on ITSB Magazine, speak to it uh, on a regular basis. Um, but just like burning out on the tires, it it might be okay once, right? You might you might have fun burning out the tires once, but not for a long time because then eventually the engine burns out. <laughs> If all you're doing is and you only waste your tires as well. But you know, that's uh, a good that's a good point because when you burn out tires, you you notice <laughs> there is the smoke, there is the smell, the there stink. is the noise. And uh, and burning out in terms of you know psychologically, uh, most of the time you just don't see it. 
you it, and when you realize that it may be i'm not going to say too late but you're already a little bit in a little too much in and i think that what in interests me in, in talking about this upcoming talk of black hat is the fact that uh, in the summary talk about find recognize burnout in hidden places and that's really what i am interested in in how people can realize that they're not heading down the right path so with this i know there is a lot that we can talk about so i think sean i'll let you the yes. honor to bring in our guest Yes, let's do it. So th this is, uh, for those who didn't figure it out, it's a Chats on the Road to Las Vegas, uh, Black Hat and DEF CON. And our guest is Stacey Thayer, who has a talk trying to be everything to everyone. Let's talk about burnout. Uh, it's on August 10th, 1.30 local time there on Wednesday. And uh, we're going to start talking about burnout now and uh, hopefully get into some of the, the points being made in this session to to help people think about it more and hopefully uh, connect with Stacy during during the event and help to uh, raise awareness and, and take things forward. So Stacy, it's great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm loving these analogies between burning your tires and burning the weather. I mean, uh, these are great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it is, it is such an important topic and, um, especially in the security industry and especially just with everything that's been going on in the world today with COVID, with everything. And, um, I think one of the things that, that's so great about being able to give this talk now is that burnout in the security industry is something that, as you said, has been something that we've talked about before. Um, in fact, all the way back to, um, 2012 was doing research on burnout in the security industry and was on a panel at RSA and then um, different people have talked about it and it has been brewing and yet it doesn't seem to be getting better. In fact, the world is just reporting more and more burnout. It's getting worse and worse. And you know, how, how do you stop it? How do you recognize it? How do you get to a point where it's something that can become manageable? Um, and I think one of the things that to me always stands out when I when I look at something. So I I experience burnout too, right? We all we all do, even those of us who try our best to recognize it. And I will yeah, I'll read an article or something will come up and it's like, okay, just eat well and meditate. And I'm like, sure. Done in, in that order. Yeah. Done and let done. Me, yeah, let me, let me just go go do that, right? Like, <laughs> so I don't know about you, but like when I'm at my burnout, I am eating my feelings. Like, hand me everything in sight that I can just eat. Um, I'm exhausted. I, you know, the idea, like, I, I will run if chased. Otherwise, I'm like, I mean, just there's depression and anxiety are huge factors in burnout. And just saying, oh yeah, you know, just get out of the house, go exercise, go do these things. That's you're you're adding more things to someone to for someone to do. So go do something. You're burnt out. Go do some more things. Yeah. And time uh, and time again, this comes up as solutions. And I, I one of the things that I really want to get to in my my talk is, you know, just for a second, forget doing anything about burnout for a minute. Don't add more things to your plate. Just, just stop, take a second. And I get into what I, what I kind of the taxonomy of burnout. So if you think of anything like Bloom's taxonomy or Maslow's, how it builds upon each other. And like I said, it's the beginning of recognizing it and saying like, 
you know, okay, stop. Where am I? What's happening? Being able to just recognize it and these different stages that we can go through from the band-aiding of it, where sometimes you're just trying to eat because it makes you feel better. You're drinking because it makes you feel better. You're escaping in whatever reason because you feel better. Um, but what are some ways that that can be recognized and put into such a way that can help heal from the burnout or at least manage it? So that's really what my talk focuses a lot of is taking away. Yes, there will be solutions. Yes, there'll be ways to address how to um, relieve yourself from some of the pressures of burnout, but less from a, here's all the things that you can go and do. And here's all the pressure you can put and all the obligations you can put on yourself for self-care, but to pull back and, and say, okay, stop. I don't have to do anything. Let me just be with it for a second and start there. And then we go down the journey of how to solve it from there without the pressure, without the guilt, without the obligation. And then looking at also everybody's personal relationship, because how you experience burnout can be different from the way that I experience it or, you know, somebody else experiences it. Yeah. And it's interesting. I, I think it was this morning I saw a post on Twitter talking about uh, what a successful day looks like. And it it's, and perhaps even points in the day might even look different day to day as well, uh, where, mm-hmm. yeah, tremendous productivity one day and, and just the need to do nothing and research the next. Uh, and then the next yeah. day, maybe more conversational. And I guess the point is, did what whatever that definition is, is for that person to kind of figure out. And if they're overwhelmed, perhaps they, they can't figure that out. And then I wanted to bring up another point and maybe your thoughts on this, because I guess what I want to know is what is the definition of burnout? Because I, I get to talk, talk to a lot of people and, and some, some folks I spoke to said that, well, that, that's not really burnout. And mm-hmm. therefore it's, it's, Yes, it might be an overwhelming time or a stressful time or somebody might be overloaded, but that's not burnout. And I'm just wondering, what is, is it a line? Is it a gray area? Is it a point? Is it, what, what is it? And who gets to define it maybe? I don't know if that matters as well. Right. Well, so there, there is a definition. I mean, there's, there's lots of different definitions. The gold standard, the one that, that clinically and, and research-wise that most people go to is Maslach. If you're familiar with Christina Maslach and her, her research, she's done a, a tremendous amount of, of uh, validated, proven research. So from the clinical world, when uh, researchers, psychologists, clinical or otherwise go to, to define burnout, we go with this definition. And the way that she defines it, so she defines it as occupational burnout. It's a syndrome. It's, so it's due to chronic, emotional, interpersonal stressors on the job. So that's that's the kind of textbook definition. And they and she breaks it down into these three um, dimensions. So emotional exhaustion, and so that's when the that's the emotional piece of it where you're feeling it. You're just you're tired. You can't give anymore. You know, imagine like kind of that, the feeling of when you've just carried something like imagine carrying a rock up a hill and then you're putting it down and you are just exhausted. There's cynicism. I am done with this. Like, forget this. This person, my dog doesn't care about me. I don't care about them. Hell with it all. I am not, I will be there from nine to five, but I'm not giving any more. Then there's professional efficacy, which is when you start to doubt yourself which is that I thought I was good at this. 
but you know, I, I'm not even good at my job anymore. Um, nobody likes what I do. Maybe I should think a different career because I'm not even good at this. So there's these three dimensions of it. What I would say when anybody to anything comes along and says, well, I don't think that's burnout or I don't think this, everybody has their experience. And if you feel you're experiencing burnout, now it's different when you're, when you're saying clinically being, um, going to say a psychiatrist to be, you know, okay, I have depression, therefore I need meds. That's a little bit of a thornier topic that I'm not going to get into because I'm not a um, diagnosing, you know, I can't diagnose medicine or anything like that. I'm not that type of doctor. But if somebody feels that they have burnout and they say, I am burnt out, I am exhausted, whatever the definition is can be fluid, but it's how they're feeling. And when I work with companies and there are sometimes there's many times I've spoken with, with supervisors, managers, and I've said, you know, how about mental health activities? It doesn't exist. Mental health doesn't matter, but it does. And the sooner that we can be more tolerant of whatever somebody's personal definition of burnt out, if somebody is feeling bad or exhausted or just not into their work, whatever the definition of burnout is, it's how they define it. So, that, so I give you the clinical, what I would take as a researcher, but then I also give you what I would tell um, when I'm consulting or working with people is whatever the definition is. Don't fall too much in the definition and look at the person and how they're feeling and how they're responding. Because even if you look at it and say, well, I know burnout, what you're going through, you stubbed your toe, I broke my arm. You know, that's the, the physical, whatever you want to compare it to, but they are still experiencing it. Resiliency may differ, but they're still a person in pain one way or another, even if it doesn't seem that bad to someone else. So yep. I, I mentioned at the beginning that one thing I was intrigued by reading the, the summary of, of your session is to, to recognize it and, and in, in hidden places. But before we go there, I want to make a, an observation that um, I lo love your opinion about it. Sometimes we say, you know, things are way worse now. There's more burnout. And I'm wondering... Is it really, or people are starting to be more open about it? Mm -hmm. So instead of just keeping it inside and be like, you know, man up or woman up or whatever it is, like, you know, you got to look strong, you're a fighter, yep. you're in, specifically in cybersecurity, that, you know, don't, you know, you're a defender here. You're almost like a, a military. You can be a weak hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can yeah. be weak, right? And so, yeah. This whole human element, you know, the, the, the soft skill, which I always say they're not soft, they're part of every strong skills we need to have. But the point is, I have seen RSA a few years ago where you may have been there, but the, a room full of people, they, they, they were open it up and say, yeah, raise your hand. And, and like, wow, I can't believe that so many people are saying, yeah, I feel that way. So that, that's my observation, my question for you. So are we at a point where we are in a worse place, but in a better place because we're, we're accepting it that is an issue? And the other yeah. one is, what are these, where are these hidden places? Where are these hidden places, yeah. 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 So the first one, my, my thoughts on that is when work went remote, there was this moment where all of a sudden our personal lives came to work. If you think about it, it used to be, and I can say this, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mom, so kids, my kids will come running into the office. I mean, beforehand, maybe you might see a picture of someone's kids, 
or they, you got the family dressed up and you went to the holiday party and you told the family, you know, best behavior, shake hands. Now, now you get them running around behind you in their underwear in the background, right? You see what people's homes look like. We have, through the remote work, invited people into our homes and our lives. And we became, in that moment, I believe, human. We, ha- we became, we, we added another dimension to ourselves. And I think in doing that, we invited our humanity, which invites this, this is how I feel. We all felt something with COVID and we as a society shared a common theme. It's a lousy one. I would like a better one to share, please. But the fact is, we all went, oh, this, this is not great. We, none of us really like this situation. And we were able to, to bond through that, whether you call it trauma bonding or not. But I think that that opened the door to be able to say, this is hard. I'm feeling certain things. You know, being, being in my house was hard. Quarantine was hard. And, and then once you start pulling on that thread of I struggled, it opened the door for people to be able to acknowledge what struggling felt like in a work environment and get more in touch with that. And so that's where I suspect some of this has, has come from. And when I talk about the hidden places, one of the first hidden places that I think of is your own personal awareness. Because sometimes it's screaming, hey, I'm here. And I always say that as much as you may try to push things down, they come out sideways. I say this from personal experience and watching, other, watching others, right? From if you notice like, oh, wow, you know what? I've been, I've been drinking too much lately. I've been eating the foods that I might no- not normally eat. Like I know my tells. You know, my, my husband knows if I say, like, get me Arby's, like, I've had a lousy day. <laughs> okay, that is like my, like, red flag, get me some Arby's. <laughs> oh, no. All right, it's bad. Right? Like, and so you rec- you have to be able to recognize your tells. And sometimes that's, that's through your friends, through your peers. But just the notion, we all have them. What are yours? And, and so when you, I think, just begin to open the door and acknowledge, okay, I have them. There's no doubt about it. You have them. Everybody has them. We all get stressed. Nobody gets away from having stress. So just by asking the question, what are mine? You're starting to pick up that flashlight and shine it in the little corners that maybe you didn't want to look look at before. And that's where you find the hiding places. You start turning over the rocks. You start picking them up. And, and the way that we find those hidden ones, and I go into my talk, is different for different different people because we all have our different hiding spots. We all have the different ways that we have cleverly hidden, put walls up, hidden things in our mind and tried not to feel things, tried not to be vulnerable, tried to be strong, tried to be a hero. Um, you know, and I think especially dealing with the, with the security industry and, and to your point of there's a lot of frustration. And when I've spoken to people in the security industry and done research in it of you're there to help. You're there to help people from themselves a lot of times. And so, you know, you're saying, you're just, no, I'm, I'm sorry, Joe, you can't have your dog's name, one, two, three, four is your password. I know that would be so much easier for you and save you a lot of time. But really, when we get the massive breach because of your lousy password and your, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like you're, you're coming from a good place, but you're getting all of this resentment when you're actually trying to protect the company and you're trying to help people and do the right thing and you know, you're, you're not getting support from different areas of the company. And I mean, there's just, there's a lot of nuances in the security industry that lend itself to burnout where 
it becomes hard to then turn to your workplace. So here's a place that you're spending half your life at 40 hours a week, what, you know, whatever that's, that you're choosing to, to for many people define their self-worth. I mean, there's evaluation, there's critique. And I love that definition of burnout where they say emotional interpersonal stressors, interpersonal, not your work. It's not the code. It's not the computer. It's the people around you that are causing the burnout. And that's hard. That's yeah, I wanted to go there a little bit because I was wondering, is, is it the environment? Is it the role? Um, is it the management, uh, the, the, the people that create the environment around you? Because I'm, I'm just wondering, is it, are people prone to burnout uh, in a certain way that makes this job in particular difficult? Because the, the example you gave, mm-hmm. when, I, when I think of burnout, I immediately think of SOC, the SOC, the Security Operations Center. Mm-hmm. People dealing with the firefighting all day long, every day for umpteen hours looking at screens, just negative stuff all the time. But the scenario you gave of helping somebody set a password properly um, sounds like it added stress as well. And uh, I wouldn't naturally go there until you describe that scenario. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering in both of those that I just, when you gave and the one that I gave are role-based stressors. I'm just wondering, are there also environment and or managerial stressors that, that make the role-based ones pop to the surface or they, do they just exist anyway? <laughs> I think a little bit of all of the above. I mean, so, so yeah. by nature, the CISO role has a tremendous amount of turnover. Um, just by nature, it's, it's, um, I don't have the exact statistics right at the top of my head, but I know that it's um, generally in my, my previous research coming across that it, it's one of the highest roles in, in a C-suite with the fastest turnover. And um, when that happens, a lot of times that happens because they're not getting buy-in from other people in the C-suite, right? So, the, so now that it's kind of the top down, but then it's also the bottom up. So depending on where things are at, um, Sometimes people who are in management positions have been brought into a management position, not because they're managers, but because they have some level of technical knowledge. So they may not have some of the management soft skills that are required. I know that there's this always, we don't need soft skills. I will die on that sword (laughs) because we need empathy. We are humans. We just, we need that even tiny little bit of compassion for each other somewhere that we are humans that exist and that the way that we communicate matters, the way that we communicate online matters when we're missing tone of voice, when we're looking at words that, you know, when you send an email, what you hear may not be what I'm actually saying because you're missing the, the para language and the subtext around it. I mean, there's all of these things that people aren't thinking about when they manage. And, you know, a lot of times people go into computers because they don't want to interact with people, right? Like when I, when I think of some of my, my near and dearest friends that I, I love, they're, they're introverts. They're like, and, and I count myself as an introvert. I would much rather text somebody, please don't call me. Please never call me, right? <laughs> like call me on the phone. I'm going to go from zero to stressed in like two seconds, right? So I'm going to have to rely on that text conversation for tone because I don't want to talk to anybody on the phone, right? Mm-hmm. So Sometimes just the nature of, of the management interactions. Do they approve of me? What's happening? Am I being judged? We want people to, we want to know that we're getting, we're doing a good job. So there, it, there is that piece of 
the job where, right, you're firefighting all day long, you're, you're constantly looking out for things, is, trying to anticipate where the next attack might come. I mean, you can never rest. Let's say you go away for a week and then there's a, an attack, like, God forbid, right? You go away for a week and, and everything falls apart, right? There's no rest. You're staring at screens that has a physical component now that's adding stress to your body, the way that you hold yourself, your posture. There's all of these components. But then there's the death by uh, needles, right? Which is every time you're trying to pass a policy through and someone's saying, just, can you just speed up this audit? We need to get this so we can use this. You're like, yeah, okay. As soon as I get to, you know, 20 other things. I went through this with a, a company. We really wanted to use something. I wasn't, wasn't a security company. So, but I, I, you know, had understood where our security person was coming from. And we're like, we need this. Can you, can you do the review faster so we can get sign this contract? And we're pushing and we're pushing and I'm just standing there and I'm kind of like, I want so hard to like push and say, can you just, just get this through? But I know better. Like, and it, but it's only because I know better because having worked in the security industry, that this poor person is doing the due diligence that he is hired and paid to do not cut corners as a convenience so that I can get the show on the road. Right. Like these are the things that people go through and it eats away at you, even if it's not the big things. So let, let's keep talking about soft skills so we can piss somebody off. And if they don't want to hear, they can turn off the podcast. <laughs> they don't care. Uh, so you talk about interrelation that can be the, the trigger for this more than mm -hmm. your own skill. Like, you know, the, the, you stop mm -hmm. dubbing yourself, not because necessarily you just screw up something, that is because, you know, they're not reinforcing the fact that, oh, wow, you're, you did a good job. So. Right. Then something happened, and I feel like, um, yeah, now you take and go take care of yourself. Then when you're done, come back. I don't know, go to rehab and come back. And then right. we, and then we, you come back, and it's the same damn environment that we had before. So mm -hmm. instead of just behavioral changes or yourself, don't we need cultural changes in the environment? And in order to do that, soft skill and really prevent this from happening. Are we making some steps forward into this? Now that we're more open, we work from home, it's happening. Can we prevent it somehow at an organizational level? Yeah. Yes and no. Um, in a perfect Can world, I, I would love to say <laughs> yes, that this would be great. I mean, I... I Wish, you know, and, and when I started on my, my career path and studying organizational development, it was like, my one thought was, if you're going to do something, be happy doing it and love doing it. And then you start to realize like how hard that is when you're dealing with coworkers and managers and like, oh my goodness. And what it, it does come down to, and nobody likes this answer, but I mean, it is the answer. It's looking at what you can control and what you can't control, right? It's not the only answer, but kind of like family, <laughs> in a way, right? Like you may love your family. They may drive you absolutely crazy and so you can't change them, you know, but you can change how you deal with them. And that can be everything from trying to change how you respond to it, getting that help, getting that coaching that you need, taking that step back. Sometimes when you're, when you're in that survival mode, I mean, when you're in, and when you're in burnout and you're being cynical, you are protecting yourself. You're building those walls out and those that's surviving and sometimes that's what you have to do but you don't have to be unhappy and surviving right you can be happy you can find your peace your definition of self-worth doesn't have to be defined 
by what might be a toxic work environment. And I think that's where the difference comes because I would love to say that, yes, we should be able to not have toxic work environments nowadays, but things happen. There are stressors. People aren't perfect in management. Communication is flawed. It's getting better like to see, or at least people are trying to have more compassion. I think that even just having talks like this, and then after my talk, actually, I'm then doing a community talk. So if there's anybody there that wants to talk about their experiences, that will be more of a two-way conversation uh, immediately following my talk. So definitely anybody who wants to share and have a community session and engage about what they're going through, I definitely encourage them to um, come after my talk to, to discuss that. Um, but so much has to be about where, where, okay, what can we do? And how can we do that? And how can we contribute, though, towards a healthier work environment? Because when we're in our burnout and we're exhausted and cynical, we're more likely to snap at people. We're more likely to drop the load. So now we're, we're not walking away from work that stresses other people out. And so what I'd like to think is that by making subtle choices in our behaviors, that then we can tilt towards that domino effect. So if the three of us were, say, working on something and I was like, this is just too hard, I'm out. Now the two of you are having to carry the load you're more likely to get burnt out. But if we could work on our communication and I could say, okay, this is really hard. This is what I need from you two to help. And you're open to that. And we can negotiate and kind of figure out how to navigate that together. Th then we can balance that more and more. But these are these soft skills that people have to be willing to engage in and willing to hear and listen from others. But I think that, again, by, by starting with, your, with yourself and making those choices, and that's, I do talk about my talk about what are those choices? What do they look like? So where to get the help and that's the immediate help. But this, this is a long road. I mean, it, this isn't exactly like you said, like rehab. You go to rehab, you're back 30 days, and then you know how to do everything. I mean, this is a lifestyle change and a company lifestyle change. And that hopefully that can trigger up. But also to be able to make the choices for yourself. If something's unhealthy for you, when do you finally say, you know what, I'm pulling the resume out and that's the best decision for you because at the end of the day, it is you and that you have to live with yourself and your family and your life and your choices. I wanted to touch on that, Stacey. I don't know if you have any insight on this or not. Just but the, you said, pull out the resume. I know generally speaking driven, I think primarily by um, inflexibility of work from home and going to the office and, and having to be on Zoom calls and whatever else came from the pandemic. We, we've seen what, what's been coined as the great resignation, where people yep. felt, felt they have the opportunity to make a change um, mm -hmm. for their own personal experience as an employee, hopefully finding a better one somewhere else. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about a shift in the economy, which maybe mm -hmm. also shifts the uh, the power back to the companies, maybe not in a way they want, right? But hiring freezes, uh, not filling new roles that, that get left open when somebody does leave. Um, and people looking for a change might not have that option any longer because right. those positions right. are not, not there. Do you see, I guess the, the question I'm, I'm asking is, do you see that adding to this challenge over the next number of months, quarters, however long do you think that might, that might be present? Um, and, and is there some way we can get ahead of that now, knowing that that's likely coming? Yep. So I think the important thing is, is 
and that level of awareness of um, what is it that you're looking for? What is it that, what are your solutions? So one of the things that I, I do hear a lot of and encourage people to do is people will say, I'm burnt out or I don't want to do this or I'm tired or I don't like the way that this works. I, I have a toxic work environment. And I say, okay, right. But let's keep playing. Let's keep pulling on that thread. And what does a healthy work environment look like? And when we're giving, say you're giving notice, but you don't know where, where it is you're going to go. Is somebody hiring? Are you going to be able to find another position? Do you have this kind of Eden garden of idea of companies that you're going to go someplace and it's going to be wonderful and you're not going to be burnt out? Like what are the things that are burning you out? Is it, is it, or is it a personality match with your company or your manager? Is it, can it be solved or can it be solved? And so uh, I think that as things do get tougher is with the market, the ability to make the jump, it'll just be a more calculated jump, a clearer jump. And much like for people who are job hunting right now, um, people are being more strategic about the way that they're job hunting now. So they're working their networks. They're not making the jump until they have somewhere to land. So it's much, much more of a, a careful, calculated resignation um, rather than just a, okay, I can't deal with this. I've got some money in my savings. I'm just going to leave and see where I can go. Um, so that's, that's what I've seen in terms of patterns is just a more strategic way. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if, if you are absolutely miserable and you're not able to, um, you know, your health is suffering, your relationships are suffering, everything is, is suffering, your work is ultimately going to suffer as well. And so the ship has to be right in one way or another, because if the economy, you know, does continue to go well and then there are cuts, I mean, there's all sorts of things that can, can go wrong or can, can be scary or can be a threat uh, that can then only weigh even heavier on your fears and your burnouts and your anxiety and depression. Yep. A lot to think about. And I, I don't want you to give up the, the end of the movie because we yes. want people to yeah, come. Because my natural question now will be like, okay, so what can we do about it? And and of what course, what can we do about it? Yep. So of course, that's what we will be, uh, I'm sure, um, discussing during the the session. Um, mm -hmm. If you want to tease a couple, I mean, you kind of mentioned like if it was as easy as meditating, <laughs> you know, we, right. we we we'll all be doing it. So maybe maybe you want to touch on that and and. And I think it would be amazing if you, after the talk, after the session, you come back and we have another conversation when, sure, when you give us to. the when you give us the answer. I mean, I think is a, I know for a fact that uh, uh, the community that we're so connected with, the cybersecurity community, they they love to, to hear more of this conversation. So, but that can come later um let's okay. let's end up this conversation with your yeah. kind of call to what, what people <laughs> would walk away with from there and uh, sure. and then uh, and then people can come and see you all right well one of the things that i'm i'm really excited to to share with people that i've been working against is burnout taxonomy which is this um the so kind of the, if you're familiar with Bloom's taxonomy or Maslow's hierarchy of needs um not so much as it, is it stacks one on top of the other like the hierarchy of needs does but this advancement of, of kind of this understanding or ladder of um, as you go through burnout and the steps that, oh, okay, stage one, stage two, stage three, that it's not just, I'm burnt out here, I'm going to go for a job. Like you, that, that can be great. Um, maybe not for me, but, you know, okay, because again, I run when chase, that's it. Um, but whatever it is that maybe it's meditating, maybe it's 
painting, maybe it's something that you love doing, but how do you get there? That's always, that's the trick question is how do you get there? How do you get from, I'm going to eat Arby's all day long or Taco Bell or just like lay here in my, you know, crispy bags to, all right, I'm going to go and I'm going to start kickboxing. I'm going to start doing healthy choices that energize me. That sounds like great advice, but how do I get there? And so this taxonomy helps take you through that process of, okay, here's how we get there. Here's, here's the ladder that you can climb to get up there. Um, So that's one piece that I'm really excited to share. Um, Working with people in the the real world examples um, and the advice and, and tips for, for how to manage it, that, Burnout may not necessarily be something that's solved and it's not necessarily like we think of it like a rehab of like, oh, okay. Um, I, I actually do like that analogy because sometimes it's learning how to manage any condition. It's not unlike an addiction or a disease or anything like that where sometimes what it becomes is something that you have to manage, not solve. And it has its flares and sometimes it's better, but it may be something that you will just need to learn how to manage instead of solve. There may not be an easy way out of like, oh my God, I'm so stressed and burned out. If only this manager would go away. If only this toxic work environment. And we could talk probably for hours about someone's toxic work environment. And while that may be cathartic and feel really good, is it going, is it going to have that effect? Is it, we got to push a little bit past that. Yes, that feels good. That is the low hanging fruit. I will vent with the best of you. However, to really solve it, to really get there, we got to push just a little bit further work a little bit harder, but the reward and the peace of mind and stability, it can be so much greater if you're able to do that and you're able to pick up that flashlight inside yourself and kind of go, okay, I got to start looking at what I, what we can do here and, and how I can go about doing that. Uh, I love it the way you, you describe that. And I, I think manage, I'm, I'm, my brain works like a program manager. That's a that's how I function. So everything looks like a project to me. If you can, if you can incorporate your, your personal and your emotional part of this big picture and manage, like you said, manage that, uh, it's gotta be better. Just think about all the projects. If you mm-hmm. just let, let run unmanaged, what, what mess yeah. that could be. And it sounds like this is no different. So if you can put a light and, and perhaps some guardrails or some, some milestones mm-hmm. or whatever it might be to kind of help, get a view of what's going on and where, where you're headed and how, where you really want to go. So you can change course. That sound, sounds really good to me. <laughs> yeah. And so, so th- this session for those listening, just to recap is on Wednesday, August 10th, one thirty Pacific, uh, local time lagoon H I, which is on level two. Sounds like you have uh, a session right after your session for mm-hmm. where folks can yep. join you as well. That sounds uh, really, really exciting um, and encouraging too. So we'll link to. I didn't. I didn't find a link to the uh, the after party, if you. <laughs> but I, yeah, yeah, they're still working on that we, one. But yeah, we have a link to your uh, to your main session. So we'll include that in the show notes so people can can find that session and, and join you there. Awesome. And of course, if you have other links, research you've done, other articles, or anything that you think would help folks. Uh, be a little more informed and, and think a little differently about this topic. We'll, we can certainly include those in the show notes too. So uh, we'll do that for folks. And Marco, I mean, what better conversation than this as part of our chats on the road to Las Vegas? Be a, a week of burnout. We joke about, you know, burnout, burning donuts and 
and the heat. But I mean, th- we know how this is. Again, I feel like six years ago, seven years ago, when we started the magazine, it was already something we would talk about. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as much, maybe not as open, maybe it wasn't in the conference yet, but some people did open up. Uh, even on podcasts with us. And so it, it's been yeah. there. And I really appreciate people like Stacy and even our friend uh, Ryan Louie, which, uh, you know, we, he's been running some of this session as well at RSA and many others in the community are involved. So yeah. we we strongly support these this conversations and we're glad to have more and more. And, uh, and we're excited for you to do this presentation on Workout. So thank you. Thank you very much. And everybody else, stay tuned for all the things that we're going to do. We're not going to do donuts with a car. Maybe Sean will. I don't know. (laughs) But we will do... (laughs) Exactly. But we will do a lot of uh, activities uh, around uh, Black Cat and DEF CON with the live streaming and, of course, many other chats on the road to Black Hat, DEFCON, Las Vegas, uh, NT22. See, it's all about the definition, Marco. My definition of donuts in the car. Starts no, your donuts. definition of donuts is to go down <laughs> now and, and go buy a donut, a Dunkin' Donut. Exactly. In, exactly. There you go. I know you. I know you too well. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Stacey. All right. Thank you. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at www.pentera.io. EdgeScan offers continuous vulnerability intelligence as a service, accurately identifying vulnerabilities and exposures across the full stack. All threats are verified by cybersecurity experts, providing exploitable risk and remediation guidance, virtually false positive free. Learn more at edgescan.com. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at crowdsec.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of our on-location conversation. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community 
at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP mag 24.